This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You have a price set and you're asking and and then then in the end you say, okay, what's the best deal for the Calgary Flames and what makes the most sense? And, and that's where we felt like this, this deal ended up making the most sense for the Calgary Flames. Another domino falls for the Calgary Flames ahead of the NHL's trade deadline. Wednesday night, they ship off defenseman Chris Tanev to the Dallas Stars. And now all the focus on Calgary is on Noah Hannafin and where he might land ahead of the NHL's upcoming trade deadline. Welcome into Sportsnet today, live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. It's Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you on this Thursday. What up, J-Mac? Man, we have a lot to get to today we with have. this Chris Hanif trade, Noah Hannafin stuff. There's a lot to talk to when it comes about when it comes uh, to the Calgary Woo! Flames. Woo! Do we ever? Yes, we will break down the Chris Tanev trade. We'll even hear from Chris Tanev, his first media availability as a member of the Dallas Stars. We'll kick off hour two here on Sportsnet today. We'll also chat with our pal Brian Ray from Valley Sports Southwest. See how the stars are feeling after pulling off this move. And Thursdays, of course, we need to chat with our pal Adnan Burt from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Again, here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com. Logan and Julian along with you. Cam and Shan are outstanding producers on this Thursday edition of Sportsnet Today. And yes, nowhere to kick it off with Julian than the trade last night. Clearly, the deal uh, done now with the Dallas Stars. Craig Conroy continues to follow through on his promises that he made day one since being introduced as the new GM of the Calgary Flames that there wasn't contract signed with this team going forward with their pending UFAs. They were going to get traded. That's happened with Nikita Zadorov, Elias Lindholm, and now Chris Tanev. If you missed it last night, the Flames announcing a trade with the Dallas Stars that acquires defenseman Artem Grushnikov along with a second-round pick in the 2024 NHL Draft and a conditional third-round pick in the 2026 NHL Draft from the Dallas Stars in exchange for Chris Tanev. It is technically a three-way deal that involves New Jersey. Calgary retains 50% of Chris Tanev's salary. I was I was admittedly a little confused with uh, when the trade was being announced and, and seeing New Jersey being involved, like, uh, Sean Shapiro, um, who works with uh, Elite Prospects, I saw him tweet about the deal, and I'm like, "Why is New Jersey involved in this? <laughs> the salary retained on them? So the Flames are retaining 50 percent on this, yes, and the Devils are retaining more salary, or the 50 percent of the 50 percent, yes. So there's some, there's 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 some there's some changing of the hands with the money over there. There's there's a term I won't use, but uh, very interesting uh, way to deal with Chris Tanev's money. Uh, it certainly is. And for the Dallas Stars, uh, you wind up getting the rest of Chris Tanev this season at a cool 1.1 1. 1 
two five million dollars to steal. Perhaps leaves Jim Nil with some more uh, money to perhaps get busy between now uh, and the NHL's trade deadline coming up on March eighth. But uh, that's the deal, Julian Grushnikov, a second, a uh, conditional third round pick in the twenty twenty six draft. Should the Dallas Stars reach the Stanley Cup final this season? What was going through your head Wednesday night as the insiders began to break down? We, we usually get the there's rumblings from Friedman or LeBron or Saravalli, and then we start getting pieces and who it is and where guys are going. What was going through your head when you finally saw Tanev for Grishnikov a second and a conditional third? Uh, I, I got to say with this trade, I'll say this. Craig Conroy likes Grishnikov. He he likes him as a player. He he thinks he fits a need as a defensive-minded player. He likes his skating ability. He likes the six-foot-one frame. And depending on how he shakes out, maybe we look back on this trade a little differently. But right now, I can understand why the general feeling is underwhelming with this trade. Uh, I, we all know that the asking price that was out there was a second round pick for Chris Tanev, but we know the Flames were holding out for a first. At least that's what's been reported, and a lot of my a lot of colleagues, including uh, Chris Johnson, have said that. Like we we know the Flames wanted something of value back for Chris Tanev. We know that thing of value wouldn't be the same compared to what they would probably want for a Noah Hannafin, but the Flames wanted something for Chris Tanev. We know how much he means to the team. We know how much he means to the locker room and he's a pending UFA. They need to get those assets. So for them to come away with a second round pick in 2024, I was like, okay, that is more or less what they were in fact asking the prospect. uh, He's, I don't know if he's among the flames top 10 prospects right now, but again, he needs that time to develop. I was talking with Craig Conroy this morning and he mentioned that he didn't, he doesn't want to rush him. And they want to give him as much time to kind of get his bearings and let him develop at the American Hockey League level before they make any judgment on him, on his capabilities at the NHL level. But I can understand if some people look at that trade and they think, huh, they, the Flames retained salary. They wanted a first round pick and they didn't really, the, the asking price didn't really go up for that player. So I can understand why there might be some disappointment. And I wonder, I really wonder uh, how many teams thought about the idea of flipping that first round pick. Craig was telling me this morning that, you know, that he kept going back to the well to see all those teams who were interested. And it seemed as if no one was really willing to go there. I wonder if anyone thought about moving a 2025 first, or if anyone just looked at their prospect capital and said, you know what, maybe this isn't worth moving a first round pick for even later uh, than 2024 to do. Clearly, this is the deal that Craig Conroy felt he could make, and it is what it is. And now I think because of this trade, at least I'm looking at it, and you could tell me different, but I feel as if there's pressure on no, on 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 a Noah Hannafin trade if it happens to, to be a home run here. I think the Flames have accumulated a ton of assets. Uh, the volume is definitely there through what they got for Elias Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli, Nikita Zadorov, and now Chris Tanev. But if at the end of this, you don't get like another first round pick that could either give you three kicks at the can in the first round this year, or you could find a way to package them for a higher end prospect or a high end pick this year. I feel like we're looking at that retool attempt a little differently than what some people would expect from it. But uh, yeah, I I think the trade was just, I I don't know if I'm putting in the same echelon as the Elias Lindholm trade, but hey, 
we have to see how these prospects shake out. Yeah, that's that's the first thing I would say is labeling it a win or a loss is a futile exercise because we, we have no idea how this all pans out. But people can, are going to do it anyway. Like I, the people at my shop gave trade sure. grades and they weren't necessarily favorable on the Calgary Flames. But that's not to say that everyone agrees with that. No, and, and that's I get that that's the business that we're in and that's the industry that you, you know, people crave immediate reaction and immediate win-loss. I mean, look, the Stars acquired an NHL-ready asset, one of the league's top defensive defensemen shutdown players, and the Flames didn't get an NHL asset back. They didn't. They, the Flames That's, didn't get a first-round pick. They didn't get an NHL asset back. There are people who are looking at the Dallas Stars in this equation, and they're saying they stole him from the Calgary Flames. And, but I wouldn't go that far. That's And that's what I mean is why I, I won't label it a win or a loss. I, I still think you potentially got three assets back in a, in a trade for a 34-year-old pending UFA, and if the alternative was nothing and him walking away in free agency, then it's a hell of a win. If that was the alternative, the other side of it was Chris Tannen's not coming back to Calgary. I don't know if hell of a win is the term I would use. You could say Instead it's, of nothing? It's a win, but I don't know if a hell of a win. A hell of a win is getting a first-round pick back and a quality prospect, one or the other. If, if, but how can you say it was a win? A first-round pick would have been a win if it was never there, though. I mean... My whole point is is you're saying it would be a hell of a win. Like when you I think of hell of a win, and maybe we're just going over semantics and over phrases no, here, no, but like fine. I think that a hell of a win is getting a first round pick and a prospect. And I get that like maybe Dallas wasn't willing to go that far, but if any other team was willing to do that, then you call that a hell of a win. No, no, but here's what it, here's sure. what I think your your disconnect is. I'm saying it's a hell of a win compared to the alternative. That if if the other option was Chris Tanev walks at the end of the year and you get nothing for him, then what you got back is a big win in my mind. Okay, fine. Because this organization has let good assets walk for nothing, and I'd much rather have two, possibly three pieces for a 34-year-old pending you know, UFA defenseman than nothing. Do I, Again, no, is that comparative to what... You know what I thought the return should have been? Yeah. Do I think that Chris Tanev, in my mind, should have garnered a first-round pick? Yeah, but I also don't know what the market bears. I don't know what other teams were offering. and I So I can't say he should have gotten this or should have gotten that because at the end of the day, I, I think the GM takes the best deal that he feels he can take. And if you want to look at it in another perspective, Grishnikov's a recent second round pick himself. So there's, you know, two second round assets that you got, maybe a third round pick coming down the stretch if Dallas does enough damage in the playoffs. So I just think compared to the alternative of, you know, losing guys for nothing, this is a good alternative for Craig Conroy. Yeah. And it continues to follow through on a message that he's, you know, spouted since the beginning of his tenure as this team's GM. But we we knew that, Craig Conroy was not going to let these guys go for free because of the lessons that this organization has learned from letting a player like Johnny Gaudreau leave. So we knew that there was no way Chris Tanev was going to be uh, gone from the team without getting something in return back. We knew that. You do bring up a good point, though. We don't exactly know 
Well, I mean, I mean, clear the fact that they took this deal that tells us that no one was really willing to step up or at least. Yeah, that's just it. No one was really willing to step up and provide that first round pick. I do wonder, though, if someone was willing to flip away a 2025 first round pick, if that would have made a difference. But, you know, clearly no one stepped up and offered that pick or at least just the Flames don't have a deal with that. I wonder if they would have coveted that considering what their 2025 situation is. Um I still think if you look at the deal on its surface, though, I think it's more than okay to say it's just a mid-return. I can I understand where you're coming from, where it's a better alternative than losing Chris Tanner for nothing, but a second-round pick, a conditional third in 2026, and a prospect who might not be among the team's top 10, I think it's okay if you look at it and you might be a little underwhelmed. You don't have to say it's bad because you still have to give the kid time to develop and time to see what they have in the kid. And I I know it tends to the original point of what you're trying to say, which is that we, we we do judge these things in real time and it's a bit fast, but I mean, look, the the way we talk about the Elias Lindholm trade where a lot of people thought, Oh man, Craig Conroy did well. Like we're allowed to do that on the other side. I think there's room for both types of perspectives in this, in this type of talk. And and Hey, fair enough. As far as a future like a, I don't want to say a future, but how do I want to say this? A futures trade like this to me is is always so hard to put my finger on the pulse of a win or a loss because if the second round pick turns into a star player or a top six, then all of a you know then all of a sudden we look back at it and say it was a steal. And it's just, for me, it's the foresight of, you know, getting too far ahead of ourselves one way or another. We don't know if that second round pick is part of a bigger deal. It could be. Who knows? That lands the Flames, you know, uh, top end prospect or an NHL ready player that can add to their lineup between now and next season, let's say, then it's then it can be the perspective changes so fast. The flames have had situations before where they entered a draft with no first round pick and they had multiple seconds and they came away with some good players in that second round. If I remember correctly, if you're, if you catch on to the specific draft class, I'm thinking of. Yeah. And now for the Calgary flames, it's, it's what do you do with those assets? It's what does Artem Grishnikov become? Obviously, Craig Conroy has identified the prospect pool on defense and said, I don't think it's good enough. He's added three defensive prospects uh, in two trades now. And, you know, we'll see again what Yoni Yermo becomes. Hunter Brustovich, of course. Mm -hmm. Brustovich is another conversation to have. Um, So I think you can see the the path the GM is taking here and what he wants to, to add or what he's clearly focused on adding in these kind of trades. And it's just, I guess the only other aspect to this trade that I, I, I think we should talk about is, would you have waited? Like would waiting until trade deadline have changed anything in your mind? I wonder about that too. Uh, Craig Conroy seems to think that it wasn't going to change that much. And that's why he made the deal when he did. But you never know if a general manager gets desperate or or someone gets injured and they need a right shot defenseman and they say, fine, let's do it. Let's let's send away this pick or this prospect and make this deal work. We'll ultimately never know now. But I I think that was the thinking from Craig Conroy. Alternately, 
yes, there is a reality where Chris Tanev plays on Saturday against Pittsburgh or he plays next week against Seattle and he gets hurt. And then the Flames are in a situation where he can't play. They could also scratch him for trade-related reasons, but, you know, the Flames don't have to worry about that anymore because they've already made the move. Yeah, I, I mean, it's always difficult to say. You can never, it's really difficult to predict the future, which, you know, we, we were trying our best with that in the previous discussion. But I I, I wonder, I, I think a lot of people have every right to wonder what could have happened if they waited, but it's not a guarantee that the offer presented to them that they ultimately sold on would have been there for next week, or maybe it would have been at the same level, or maybe it would have looked completely different. There's no guarantee they would have gotten that first round pick. No, and that's, you know, I think going back and forth on the first round picks probably is probably going to have us running in circles because, again, if a first round pick was there, I I, I feel like it would have been for, for all the insight for Chris Johnston, from Pat, from everybody that, you know, that probably would have been the the trigger point for a deal here if it was if it existed in that sense it would have already been there. I don't think Craig, Craig Conroy was you know okay. Well, the first is there, but uh, if I could go back and get a second and a prospect and a conditional pick, that makes more sense to me. I, I you know the the first is what it is, and I, I think it's I think a first round pick always sounds nice. Yeah, but if you listen to to Craig Conroy talk about you know, development years and the fact that, you know, they've acquired a young player who they feel and look, argue about it all you want. They're the ones that scout the kid. They're the ones that have people paid to, you know, uh, you know, make these decisions and advise the GM on how they feel a prospect is going to develop to Craig Connor in the Calgary flames. There was clearly value in a guy that could jump into the system now, instead of maybe a youngster that they draft, late first round based sure. on where Dallas we'll use Dallas as the example and might still require two or three years of development before he got to the point that Grishnikov's at. Sure. But there's also value in getting a asset that you can put in a, put in another deal and possibly get you closer to a high end player or high end prospect in this case, which at the end of the day, that's what the flames need. And I'll say this again about Grishnikov. Like, I'm just making the point that, like, I think I can understand why people would feel underwhelmed about it. But, yeah, I think this kid needs all the time to develop and get better. And we don't know what he's going to look like now. Like, he could be he could end up being a tentative replacement. Who knows? Like, he could be a better player. But, like, we just have to wait and see. But I think it's okay to look at look at the trade on its flip side, too, and wonder, hmm, if this team was able to get another asset that could help them put together a trade package to get them a high-end prospect or a high-end pick that could get them closer to that. We look at that as a win too, right? Because at the end of the day, if the dust settles and the Flames have all these picks and players and all that, and it doesn't amount into the top-end player that this team really needs, we know this team needs game-breakers. We know this team needs game-changers. If it doesn't bring them anywhere close to that, how is the rebuild? How is the retool going to look? The only thing I'll I'll, I'll say to that to, to that point, Julian, and we'll go to the text line here because it's popping off as I would expect it's it very, would. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. The only thing I would say to that was I don't was Chris Tanev ever getting you? No, I don't think so. And that, I'll make that, I know I'll say this. I don't think he was necessarily going to get you a high end prospect. But what? But if you were able to get a first out of that, which you were holding out for, 
maybe you package that towards something. And I get it well, that maybe, maybe that maybe, the maybe you don't, does, right? Maybe the second still plays a role. I don't Maybe like, it does. I don't think we should be disvaluing the the second that it couldn't be part of something more. No. I just I, look to me it's when I look back at the list and we go back to September and even if you want to include Tyler Toffoli in this, if you want to go Toffoli, Lindholm, Zadorov, Hannafin, and Tanev as the guys that you needed to maximize value on as UFAs that weren't coming back. Tenev's third on that list. The, potentially the most valuable asset you have, depending on how you value Lindholm to Hannafin, is still up for debate. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I've loved Chris Tanev. He's been a warrior. I think he's a great player. It's still a 34-year-old defenseman with a lot of hard miles on it with no guarantee that he was ever coming back long-term, right? Or, or was going to be part of the future here. So he's maybe third or fourth on your list yeah. of, it, of where those UFA's value would have been. I think the key, and you said it earlier, the key is now what are you going to do with Noah Hannafin? Because I think you, we all agree you did pretty well on the Lindholm front. So how do you maximize your two most valuable assets? And we don't know the answer to one of those questions yet. We don't know. Uh, and again, with Grushnikov, we don't know what he's going to turn into. And we don't know what that second round is going to turn into. But I, I can understand that with maybe some of the expectations, and maybe that does play a role into it too. But it seems as if the Flames may have wanted something a little bit more than what they got. And this was ultimately the best that they could do. And Craig Conroy feels Craig Conroy could sleep at night knowing he made that deal. So... We'll just have to wait and see what the kit. Uh, let's get to the text line at 960-960. The fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today. We've got a lot to get to as our uh, opening conversation around Chris Tanev uh, and the latest trade with the Dallas Stars has come down. Uh, here we go. We'll start with this one. This text says, I think it's important to remember that Tanev wasn't drafted. You never know what you're getting. we got two assets back, potentially three, though. We might have to compete against our own draft picks if we make the playoffs. Uh, this text says... This fan base has pick and prospect fear because of the Aginla trade. We traded away our captain, our all-time leader, and you name it, and got back a bunch of pucks, a bag of pucks and false advertisements. That from Jesse in Cranston. Uh, this one says, I love what Connie's done. The culture feels so different than 50 games ago, and the future is exciting. Trade Hannafin, keep Markstrom, retool on the fly while battling for a playoff spot every year, create a culture, get into the playoffs, and battle each and every year. This text, Connie spelled it out so clearly. They know who the kid is. He's 20. It's a player they've been watching, and there's no risk of drafting somebody at the end of the first round or early into the second round with that pick. Uh, Corey says, and guys, look how your best guess at the draft can turn out like a Tyler Watherspoon. Yeah, there's plenty of examples of, of thinking that Tyler Watherspoon. things were going to work out in a different way. Uh, this text from Heather says, loving the thoughts on this. Uh, I'd be curious to know what te- impact Tanev's 10-team no-trade list impacted Connie's options. Really depletes the options for a first-rounder and accompanying picks uh, and prospects. Yeah, I, I don't know that it ever sounded like this was a big issue for for, Craig, uh, for Chris Tanev when it came to where he was going to be traded. Uh, at least not that I heard. Um, I mean, for... Chris, if you're looking at the flame situation, the stars situation, um, not I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, Julian. Uh, 
the Stars are in a better spot right now than the Flames are. Yeah, they're 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 a little closer to the Stanley Cup than the Calgary Flames are right now. I'm still stuck on the Tyler Wotherspoon uh, <laughs> text. Do you remember uh, when he was drafted? Do you remember who was drafted after him? I don't, but I know it's a good name. So this is 2011. He's drafted 57th overall. I'm gonna give you a guess. I'll give you. Oh, you know what? Give you three guesses. Oh God. Three guesses. Who was drafted immediately after? And uh, people on the text line, don't text the answer. Don't help Logan with this. <clears throat> I should know this. He's this player is still playing. Why can't I think of this? Okay, this player still. He's an Eastern Conference player. He has uh, played with this franchise the entirety of his career. Um, let's think. I'm just on something on cap friendly, by the way. I'm not. No, no, no you're not cheating. Um, <laughs> just wanted to. No, but uh, Eastern Conference player still with that franchise. I feel like if I give you any more hints, that's going to spoil it for you. But this was the player immediately drafted after Tyler Watherspoon. So that's 2011? 2011. Still on the same team. Still on the same team. Right after Literally, Tyler like, Watherspoon? Like the pick. The oh, pick. It's, it's, it's Cooch. Nikita Kucherov was the man that's picked right. right after Tyler Watherspoon. I knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Holy. Um, yeah, and Kucherov, a uh, leading scorer from uh, his draft class. Uh, second place, Johnny Gaudreau. Jonathan Huberto, the third leading scorer from the 2011 NHL entry draft class. Yeah, we've heard a lot of that Dallas. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, remember the William Stromgren, Logan Stankoven thing's been brought up a couple times? I don't think they were going to get him for Tanev. No, no, but what I'm saying is, is is the same thing. The Flames had a chance to draft Stan, Stan right. Coven, could have could have had him. Instead, they drafted Stromgren. Yeah, if you really, if you like, like, I'm sure we've all gone through this as hockey fans. You decide you want to mess up your day by looking at your team's draft history. Oh, it's so bad. And then you realize, oh, no, you could have had this player. But instead, you chose this player. We don't have to do that on this show today, but that could be a future segment idea. We could. Uh, we did that during the. COVID years, by the way. Oh, we man. We drafted like every year for a long time. First rounds. It was a lot of fun, but uh, it was actually a pretty interesting exercise. A couple more texts I want to get to. Yeah. Uh, 960-960. Our pal Spliff and Foothill says, until anyone can, can produce evidence there were better offers on the table, it's ignorant to suggest Conroy got fleeced. The time it took in Conroy taking this deal is indicative of the market for a physical 34-year-old defenseman. I think the return is solid for a rental player. Uh, this text says, if Chris Tanev was a big points guy, I agree the return would be underwhelming. He's the furthest thing from a points guy. The return is perfectly fine, as I stated. Forever, he was worth a second. Watch Grishnikov before you form an opinion. I watched him in Hamilton a bit in a couple of Texas games. He's a mean, solid, big skating defensive defenseman. Julian gonna have to hop through hoops to gain my respect back. Damn. But this bro. is and this is how this it is. This is over a kid who we don't, like, I made the point that, like, we don't know what this kid's gonna be. We don't know who this kid's going to be. It's how it happens, man. John texts in this is the other side of it. Logan, come on, man. Ridiculous take. Of course, Tanev was never going to walk for nothing. <laughs> Bro, until it happens. Bro. Wow. We're losing the respect of people on the text line. There's there's two That's sides crazy, to every coin. I'm not surprised. <laughs> and look, the reason that I, I said the alternative of losing Tanev for nothing, just to respond to John there, yeah. is 
this was the nightmare situation that we dreamt about in September. Remember when we said in September you can't go into the season with all these UFAs because what if you're battling for a playoff spot? And then what? What do you do? What yeah. do you do if you're Craig Conroy? If this team was in second or third in their division, what do you do? Do those players sign? Do those players wait it out? Exactly. And that's, You don't know. And now I'm of the opinion it's going to be hard for them to get in, so I, I've maintained stay the course. But in the NHL and, you know, and in this city sometimes in particular, man, the thought of getting to the playoffs and that aura of a couple of games and anything can happen mentality, it's existed here a lot. Yeah. And that's why I, I said I'm, I'm proud to see Corey Conroy going down the road that he said he would go down. But just until it happens, it's always kind of lurks in the back of your mind. And look, we'll get back to uh, more on the text line when we come back. Uh, we've got lots to get to on the program. We'll have more time for your text a little bit later on in the show. But when we come back, Brian Ray is going to join us from Bally Sports Southwest. Uh, the Dallas Stars make a big move in a year where they look to be contending. Uh, why Chris Tanev? What does he add to the group going forward? We'll hear from Brian Ray next here on Sportsnet Today with Logan and Julian on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, it feels like for the last couple of days, we had heard that the Dallas Stars were closing in as front runners for Flames defenseman Chris Tanev. Wednesday night, they finally pulled the trigger on the deal, and Jim Nill gets the shutdown defenseman he's been looking for. Now, what remains for the Dallas Stars as they make a big splash ahead of the NHL's trade deadline? To help us answer that question, one of our favorite guests, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, welcoming our pal Brian Ray, covering the Dallas Stars for Bally Sports Southwest. Brian, thanks for the time, man. I know it's been busy, but how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're doing pretty good, man. Uh, looks, I mentioned coming in there, it felt like this was heading this direction uh, for a couple days now. It feels like the Stars had kind of focused in on getting something done to get Chris Tanev there. What was your uh, initial reaction Wednesday night when you saw the deal get done? You know, I think uh, I think we all saw the same reports and rumor mills that that Dallas was obviously interested, and I was sort of I was scrolling on my phone, just generically scrolling through Twitter, seeing if anything was interesting was going on, and then all of a sudden you see each little tweet pop up that things are about to go down, and it's like, wow, okay, they're they're going to pull the trigger and do this. I think we all wondered when was the market going to move and when was that first domino going to drop and whether it's somebody paying up for the guy they want or a team that has a coveted piece maybe lowering their price it seems like we're always waiting each year when is that shoe going to drop that somebody just cracks the door open and then things start to move and I think we saw that a lot last night with the Tanev deal so I was you know, not surprised, but I wasn't certainly expecting to see that happen at nine o'clock local time here in Dallas last night. Uh, why is Chris Tanev the guy that Jim No goes out and gets? What makes him the right fit for this group, Ryan? Well, when you talk about the Dallas Stars, there's there's sort of been, and I think it's picked up steam probably over the last two months or so, but they've been looking for an upgrade on their defense. And I think specifically on the right side, can they find a, a top four right-handed defenseman and, and Chris Tanev checks that box specifically 
for those of us that cover Dallas locally, we've always kind of been wondering this question going back to the offseason. Um, Jim Nill wanted to give Thomas Harley and Niels Lundqvist significant NHL minutes to try and make an improvement internally as defensemen. And for the most part, both have done that. But now that the Stars have put themselves in in the position they're in, that they have a chance to win the Central Division, they fully believe they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, now you need to supplement that team. And, and Jim Nell used that word a lot this morning. You know, you, you build your team in the summer, but then you supplement it at the trade deadline or in the middle of the season based on, on, on what you need and what the factors are. So Tanev fitting that second pair right-handed defenseman opens up a lot of options for Pete DeBoer because you can pair him with Miro Haskinen and put him back on the left side, which is his natural side. You can pair him with Thomas Harley, who's a left side defenseman. You could pair Tanev with Essa Lindell, who's a left side defenseman and kind of create a defensive meat and potatoes shutdown pair. So there's a couple of different angles you can go with your Pete DeBoer and matchups and the teams you're playing and, and first round draws in the playoffs might dictate some of that. But I think for me with Tanev as well, like if you look at the Western conference, right. And, and Calgary fans are going to know this. If you're a team like Dallas, look at the players you you would have to go through to try and get to a Stanley Cup final. Like it, it's Nachushkin, it's Rantanen, it's Kopitar, it's Stone, it's Evander Kane. Like all of those players, that is net front within a six-foot radius of the net, box outs, loose pucks, physical battles, tying guys up, you know, winning puck battles. That's what Chris Tanev does. You know, that's that's what his resume has been drawn on. So uh, I think that's the other key area where he really fits with what Dallas could use. They have a couple of players that can do that, but you can't rely on Essa Lindell and Yanni Hockenpah to take those battles for potentially four playoff rounds and find a way to survive. You, you need more. You, you need at least eight defensemen in today's NHL, it feels like, to get through a long playoff run. Brian, how are Dallas Stars uh, feeling about this trade? I think they're pumped. Uh, Talking with players today at Morning Skate, they're obviously really excited, Um, very excited. Jim Nill feels good about the move. He he said that they, when they had their scouting meetings around the midway point of the season, you know, they started looking at what players were out there, what did they need to do or, or want to do, and, and Chris Tanev's name was near the top of that list. And then it was about three or four days ago when this started to really pick up steam and, and move forward between Craig Conroy and, and Jim Nill. So he, he's been on the radar. Tanev's been on their radar for quite a while, it feels like. So I, I think they're very happy with the move, and, and players obviously were very excited. The The one – Interesting wrinkle. Jim Nill had a lot to say positively about Grushnikov, the prospect that Dallas has sent back to Calgary. And he's not a sexy name. It's not like he's lighting up the American League. But I think Jim Nill, it might have taken him a little bit to come to terms with having to let him go in order to get the Tanev deal done. But if you're going to protect your top prospects, Stan Coven, Borkin, and Bixel on the Dallas side, and you're going to protect your first-round picks, and you're not going to pay the full salary of the player you're trying to get back, 
you are going to have to give up something of value and, and something that does bring something to the table. So that was the, uh, not the drawback, but you've got to give a player to get a player. And, and Jim Nill had a lot of good things to say about Grushnikov giving him up in this deal. Can we expand on that? Can What have you seen of, of Grushnikov? Uh, for, for Flames fans listening to us who haven't really watched him play, I know he won an OHL championship with Hamilton, but what else have you seen from this player? Yeah, so I don't get to follow junior leagues in the American League as, as often as I used to, obviously, just, just handling things here in Dallas. What I do know about Grushnikov combined with what I've heard about him, he, he's kind of like a 20-year-old Chris Tanev light. Like, he is a defensive defenseman. There, This is a guy who protects his own zone, block shots, detailed game in terms of his own end that's the style of player he is. And that's kind of what his, his projection is. If I had to put a ceiling on him, probably a third pair defensive defenseman, maybe if he really shines into something, then he becomes a kind of a penalty killing can elevate to a top four and when needed type thing. But he, he's very much a, a defensive style player. And, and I remember a couple of years ago, I was watching a development camp down here in Dallas. And, you know, at that time, everybody just wanted to see Stan Coven and, and Bork and, and kind of those high, high prospect names. But I was chatting with somebody on the, on the personnel side. And I just asked them who's somebody in development camp that kind of stands out or is really intriguing. And they said, Grushnikov, watch Grushnikov. And, and I think, I think there's a steadiness to his game, you know, when you, when you think about responsible players or detailed players, you know, they're, they're not always lighting things up, but there's a steadiness and a consistency to their game. I think that's the kind of player that Grishnikov is. And at 20 years old, that's sort of the kind of player he can elevate himself into. And head coaches love steady. They love consistency. They love steady. They love, they love the player that they know what they're going to get when they put him in the lineup, whatever that role may be. So I, you know, I, I saw the social media reaction that some people thought it wasn't a great return for Tanev. He's 20 years old. Who knows where, where it's going to go for this kid. But I do know Jim Nill had a lot to say about him on the ice and off ice and feels that he is giving up a really good asset to get Chris Tanev. Is Jim Nill done, Brian? Was this the, the major move for them or are they <laughs> going to try to look to add before we're done here? Well, he's not, he's not letting us know if he's not done because <laughs> we tried to get it out of him today. <laughs> I, um, we, we, we asked him, you know, is, is, what's the next eight days look like? And I, I think for him, first of all, I, I, I do, when, when he says things like this, I, I do believe him, but he was very adamant to say that factors can change daily between now and the actual trade deadline. And that can dictate whether they're not done, whether they are done, if they're still shopping, what are they looking for? You know, they, they do have a couple of forward injuries. They just got two defensemen back that were on the shelf. So they've seen some things change hands quickly here uh, at both ends of the ice. So I, I, I think Jim Nill is still in the supermarket, walking up and down the aisles, looking at what's available and, and what those prices may be, whether he actually pulls something else off the shelf, I don't know. But I I think he is certainly monitoring what will occur between now and the actual deadline. And if there is something that makes sense for them to add, I think they would do it.
you mentioned those injuries. Seeing a Tyler Sagan with a lower body injury week to week. I'm just curious with the Dallas Stars still just looking to make some business before the deadline. Do they open up the possibility for Tyler Sagan to be an LTIR candidate to help them get to that point? Is that plausible? I think it's well. Anything's plausible. Um, I I don't know if they would pull the LTIR move with Sagan per se. I, I, I honestly don't know. They they already have Dodonov on there, and I I believe they're they're sitting around two million in that in that salary relief pool with him on LTIR. So there there is a little bit of wiggle room. Um, I, I would say for for Dallas and Jim Nill, they believe they can win the Stanley Cup. I think they are willing to take swings that they feel make sense. And and if if that involves some LTIR work because of the players they do have week to week, then then maybe one thing Jim Nill did say today did say today is that Sagan is improving. Im- he didn't elaborate how much he's improving or how long he's improving. There, there's, there's a lot of things that he's, he's still playing close to the chest, but it's, it's plausible, but that's one of those where he is not, he is not letting us get any peek at that hand uh, on what he may or may not do. Brian Ray's along with us covering the Dallas stars for Bally sports Southwest. You mentioned uh, in that prospect pool that Dallas has Brian Logan, Stan Coven, uh, he's got three NHL games under his belt, three points already. Uh, how do you think his early performance, I guess, how does Jim Nill look at that? Is that Could that be a, a trade deadline sort of out of their own, bringing a guy up that's having an impact right away at the NHL level? Yeah, the, the, the joke I've been making is he's a point per game in the NHL right now, so don't <laughs> fill out your call to balance just yeah. yet with, with Logan Stankoven. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, absolutely. He's a trade deadline pick, especially if he keeps playing the way he has, um, you know, two goals in three games. I, I don't know if he's going to score at a 66% clip. That's pretty difficult to do for anybody in the NHL. But um, yeah, he's he's been a heck of a boost. And he's given that third line with Ben and Johnston a little bit of a little bit more bite offensively. They've sort of been a hot and cold line at times this year, but they've looked a little more dangerous with Stan Coven. I think the other way to look at it is if, if Logan Stan Coven continues to force his way staying on the roster and then Tyler Sagan comes back, well, now you're sitting with 14 forwards. And is there any type of movement there that you can, that you consider doing? There's still eight days between now and the deadline. It's a small sample size and a small audition for Logan Stan Coven, but he's looked pretty darn good in the first three games. It, it does open up some possibilities. It, it, it really does. And whether Jim Nell decides to use that as, you know, he has a bit of a plethora on one end. Can he move that to get something else? Does he simply look at it as extra forward depth to take into the playoffs? Because you always need extra bodies on, on both ends of the ice. Stan Colvin is going to give the Dallas Stars some options if he continues to play the way he has been, yes. Got a bit more of a broader question for you. In Calgary, this team is going through a retool. They have some expensive players that, I mean, it's very difficult for them to offload, and they're essentially putting in younger players to try to get the best out of them. 
and hopefully retool on the fly so they could be a competitive team. And I think there are par- parallels to be made with the Dallas Stars and what they would have what they were a handful of years ago with having Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan on the books. But through the 2017 draft class, where they're able to get players like Jake Ottinger and Heiskanen and Jason Robertson, and and even in recent years where they've been able to incorporate players like Wyatt Johnston, who's playing really well, and we were just talking about Logan Stankoven. Just can you provide a perspective of of seeing this Dallas Stars team uh, be able to accumulate so many talented young players and having them play around these? expensive but still savvy veterans who have been able to to keep their careers alive playing along these younger players well i think the first trick is hit on three of your biggest draft picks in one draft the yeah way they the, did in we have to i acknowledge that the 20 not every team is going to go through the 2017 that's a, draft that's a hell of a piece of advice Brian. it's a hell of a piece of advice but there is other aspects to this <laughs> there, there is so, but, but, but even if you think about it, like, I don't know how much karma was built up in the karma piggy bank for Jim Nill, but man, did he cash it in because Wyatt Johnston was also drafted with six world junior games of scouting tape, essentially, because the OHL lost its season to COVID and, and they happened to hit on him. So whatever is being said or determined in the scouting meetings behind closed doors, there's no way the stars are going to share that formula. Cause yeah, it is clearly paid off in dividends for the players and the talent they found and how that talent has sort of emerged and quickly emerged, you know, like Wyatt Johnston just blew up that next season in the OHL. Stan Colvin blew up that next season in, in the Western league. And Jason Robertson, you know, had his, successful first two or three years and then bang rattles off a 109 point season. Like there, it it was lightning strikes. It wasn't necessarily a a slow burn, but I think some of those lightning strikes allowed Dallas to pivot a little bit there. Jim Nill and development. He's actually, he's okay with letting a prospect marinate. Uh, The term he likes to use is over ripen. And you know, Rope hints he didn't mind letting him take an extra year in Finland and then a couple a year in the AHL, and then Rope hints actually forced his way onto the Dallas roster a few years ago. Miro Haskinen, when they drafted him third overall, they let him go back to Finland for one more year before coming over. Jason Robertson, same thing. They let him have his year in the American League. Um, Wyatt Johnston is an anomaly. I guess just living with Joe Pavelski put that kid in a completely different stratosphere because he came here and, and, and that was it. Um, even their 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 young defensive prospect, uh, Leon Bixel, they wanted him to play over here in the American League, and he did to start the season, but then he exercised a clause in his contract to go back home and play in the Swedish League for another year, and they let him do that. Uh, and they were okay with that. So I do think there's an over-ripening element that Jim Nill is okay with as opposed to rushing a kid along or trying to get a kid into the NHL as quick as possible and, and you know, baptism by fire, let him figure it out as, with the growing pains as he moves along. And then the other part of that is when you do bring those young kids up, you have to put them in a position to succeed. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when Wyatt Johnston was a rookie last year, yes, he was living with Pavelski, um, but they kept him with Jamie Ben 
all season long. They gave Wyatt Johnston a de facto big brother on the ice. If he needed protecting, which he clearly didn't, he could handle it on his own. But it's it, it a nice security blanket for a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old kid to have. Now that Logan Stankoven is up, there was an absence on the Matt Duchesne line on the right side with Tyler Sagan injured. They didn't put Stankoven there, even though he projects as a top six player. They put him next to Wyatt Johnston with the big brother, Jamie Ben lurking alongside of him. And maybe that allows Logan Stankoven to relax and play a little bit, knowing that he has a security blanket. So little, little elements like that, you sort of see it pop up all over the place with, with Jim Nill and whether it's on the ice or off ice. And I do think little things like that do help a player's development and acceleration into the league. But at the end of the day, you also still need to draft really good players. And sometimes you need to get lucky on a couple of those picks. And the stars have done that with that 17 and that 21 draft. Brian, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate it. I know it's a really busy time when this happens, but appreciate you making some time for us up here in Calgary, pal. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys as always. Take care, Brian. Brian Ray joining us down the Alice Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. He covers the Dallas Stars for Bally Sports Southwest. Uh, some great insight on what they've heard out of Dallas, future of Chris Tanev with that team, and a bit on the uh, newest prospect in the Calgary Flames prospect pool, Artem Grishnikov. When we come back, we're kicking off Hour 2 by hearing from Chris Tanev, his first media availability since being traded to the Dallas Stars. We'll hear from the former Flames defenseman when we come back here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.